When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Die Hard on a Blank, the podcast where we explore the influence of Die Hard on action cinema, one action movie at a time. But today we're doing a special bonus episode. Woo! We have a real, we have a treat for you guys uh, outside the usual format. This is our first deep dive director interview with William Eubank, the director of the forthcoming military action thriller film Land of Bad, uh, which is going to be released theatrically on February 16th. Uh, so it's coming out in a week or so. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. William Eubank. Thank you guys for having Thanks me. Thanks for being here. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, big fan of your guys' show. I have done many a drives up to see my parents and listen to your guys' podcast. So very oh, cool. Oh, thanks. To be on here. Thanks, nice man. Nice to get you on the mic yeah. as opposed to listening through speakers. So I guess we'll start with the burning question, which is, what's your personal relationship with Die Hard? <laughs> it's funny. I mean, the funny thing is, I guess I probably never saw the film right when it came out. So I was not, obviously, like the kid going to the theaters. But I, I remember we were at my parent or my grandfather's cabin and it was always like my older cousins introducing me to you know just good films and yeah we watched Die Hard and even as a kid there's just so many specific things that as a younger person you're not really maybe pulling in all the thematics yeah. and stuff like that you're just like he's on glass in a tiny <laughs> you know contained place it's so scary or you know he taped his you know gun to his back and you know it's just details that just stuck with me that you know as you got older and then you revisit it you see all those things again that were so intense to you as a as a you know little guy and then or whatever age I was and uh you know then you start to realize like wow this is just such an amazing story about an everyday feeling guy who's got a great sense of humor and it's just entertaining it's just that's what movies to me at, at least, you know, movies that I love just should always be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's certainly it's certainly that. On that point, do you have a favorite action movie of all time? I think it might be Speed. I oh, think wow. Speed is probably... Okay. Yeah, I think Speed is probably my favorite action movie of all time. It was just, again, as I think I was a teenager, that... The all of the ticking clocks and the literally just the visceral punching forward atmosphere of the movie just kind of taught me like wow if you can like create a whole movie and mm. just be riding the razor's edge it's like no matter what happens it's gonna be good you and know are you do you like it as an LA movie since you are an LA guy I never thought about it that way mm. but that that adds to it yeah, yeah. that's true it I, feels so like specific to LA yeah true true it's funny because yeah I don't really think of it like that. Again, I'm always just thinking about, like, the characters that I love and, 
you know, you lose such an important character mm. uh, in the scene where he goes and, you know, uh, what's his name's character? Jeff Daniels. Daniels. Jeff Daniels yeah. goes, and that look on his face where he uh, just realizes yeah. it's so he's haunting. dead. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and the, you know, it's like you side, you don't know much about that film, and you, but you know what you're signing up for. There's going to be a bus and you're going to be going fast. And then you go and it opens with something even crazier, the yeah. elevator scene. And you're like, oh my God, it's just... Three act action. Every action sequence is better than yeah. this incredible. Well, stuff. Chris so Tapley good. will be pleased to hear yeah, that. Our buddy that, does the that answer. He has an entire show called Fifty Mile Per Hour dedicated <laughs> to. And speed. he actually That's spent funny. like an entire section talking about the look in Jeff Daniels' eyes when really? he realizes oh he's going to blow That's up. Funny. Do you have yeah. a favorite um, action movie hero? I can't say that I have any specific favorite action movie hero or a movie hero in general. A movie, any movie. You know, I, I mean, I, growing up, I would always tell people, like, William Wallace, like, I love Brady, oh, wow. which, yeah. you know, you being an English right, right. person is probably, that's, I remember, like, you I'm, not, I'm, not an, I'm not an oppressor <laughs> of the Scottish people. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That's not really, like, that's not a fair, because it's more of a drama. This, I guess no, it's not see, really. It's kind of an action act, movie, you know, right? To as some a extent. kid, I loved yeah. it for the action and the battle scenes. But. It's Die Hard and the Fight for Scottish Independence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer there. Yeah, yeah. That's good. No, that movie rules. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. definitely. I, it's funny because I would say Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon is mine. So, you know, Mel Gibson definitely making yeah. an impression as a, yeah. as an action movie hero. Do I you, think that there's something to – like I rewatched it recently and there's something you just can't – like when you put bagpipes and big scenery and intense stuff, those drones are so like – they evoke something that is so – Intent. I don't know. It's yeah, like, it's I feel like they really, that's why the, the Scottish stuff, like when done correctly, is always so intense. Mm -hmm. You're like, it's just this, and yeah. you're just like, whoa, mm -hmm. you feel something. So. And, you, and you have some Celtic ancestry. Is that right? So do you I, feel it yeah, taps into Maybe it does. Something, <laughs> you know, maybe so. Yeah, But maybe there is something to yeah. that, right? Yeah. Like it's something that we've we've talked about. I mean, I did, um, it's a, it sounds, it's a bit silly compared to something with the weight of Braveheart. But I, I talked about Highlander on um, Eye of the pod. Duck on another, yeah. another pod. And there is something about that those landscapes but and the mythic nature of it, sure. right? But I'm almost referring to, for sure, that is without question. But I'm actually referring to just the tone. Because if you even if you look at a movie like Drive, for instance, totally <laughs> different type of movie, again, <laughs> so filled with re-spaces that are like droning, right? right? And then you'll have the pulsing like, you know, um, arpeggios and stuff. But that drone underneath is that whole thing that gives you this visceral, You like, feel it in your chest. Push, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Braveheart does the same thing. It's in the bagpipes. Yeah. It's just, they're basically like a re-space that's being applied and you feel this like, oh, you know. I think also, like, Mel Gibson is a pretty on-point director. And he's, like, every one of his Absolutely. movies is really, really well Without directed. Question. You know? Yeah. I, and I think that, like, he... he he makes you pretty bloodthirsty. Yeah. For the for the for the uh, no offense for the English guys in that <laughs> yeah. movie, right? Like yep. it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't Same do thing anything. In a... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything. Bill, Bill it happened yeah. five hundred years before yeah. I was born. But same thing in <laughs> yeah, Apocalypse. You're wearing that monarchist yeah. T-shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I, I, uh, I I sing the virtues of Apocalypto all the time. I think yeah. that, that oh, movie Apocalypto is a Stone Cold Stone Cold Master. Yeah. With one of the most haunting endings when yes. you see the. For sure. You're just like holy shit. And, 
I don't know if you guys remember, but it was hard to see for a while. It was like you couldn't, it was not being sold mm. on. There was a period where kind of right lost. before streaming where you couldn't get it for some mm. reason. You couldn't find it to buy on DVD. It was really weird. I don't, I don't know what happened I there, saw but. it in the theater in the Czech Republic, so with Czech subtitles. Oh, my so God. I didn't know, really. I mean, I knew, but, but testament to the movie, visual storytelling, yeah. everything made sense. Wow. Because it's not really a dialogue movie at yeah. all. You know, it's no. like, but it is. Woof. It's a really, really incredible. Wow. I mean, also great music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, interesting story, side story. Yeah. My first film I ever did, my very first film, Love, um, we had no money. That's a separate thing. But what little tiny bit of money I had, I was able to get from, um, I was able to get a little techno crane from Panavision. They gave it to me for free, but I had to pay the operator. And the operator flew directly from the set. They had just finished shooting Apocalypto. So the operator came to my house and lived in my little brother's room sleeping because he was off at college. And so we had the crane operator from Apocalypto. Whoa! Working on my little, you know, 15-day movie. That's so cool, though. So I have some stories that, that is cool. some I probably By the cannot way, share. Will's first film, Love, is uh, a masterpiece. Mm. And I remember seeing it. Um, at the, I think it was the London Sci-Fi Festival. And I think it's because I'd seen the trailer on Apple iTunes. I remember the days where you'd scour those <laughs> those trailers. And I remember just being so struck by uh, the mood of it, the tone of it, and and the visuals of it. Um, tell us a bit about like what that movie, for anyone that isn't unfamiliar with it, tell us about the, the conceit of it and maybe where people can find it. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I think it's it's available on all, like, iTunes and all that stuff. So I don't know where it sort of shifts around where it's streaming, but yeah, it was a backyard movie. Um, I'd been hired by uh, Tom DeLonge, who was with this group Angels and Airwaves, and um, yeah, we basically, you know, had no money. So in the end, it was like my grandma pitched in some money to help me build some of these sets. That's <laughs> it awesome. was crazy. So yeah. yeah, built the whole all the spaceship, all that stuff in the backyard, and it's a movie about an astronaut who. Uh, loses contact with Earth. and uh, But yeah, I now own nine nail guns that I still use. And Ooh, I know Shades how to of cut. Lethal Weapon 2 <laughs> on, the, on the podcast right cut. now. Compound miter angles, I'm your guy. Uh, but yeah, so everything in that movie, we uh, you know, I built basically with my own hands, just on not a stage, so there was a lot of nights where I'm just like out in the storm, like protecting the set. Wow. But um, anyways, yeah, that was my first movie. It's so. a beautiful film that's like a, a, a sort of spiritual meditation on the human condition and the need for connection and all kinds of really, really deep philosophical themes. And I'm also a huge fan of Angels and Airwaves as well. I've, I've yeah. seen them live several times. So the intersection of all of these things was, was wonderful. It's a great movie. As um, a young filmmaker, you always like you always like have these big ideas and these big questions. You never have any answers. So, you know, of course the movie's like a little bit more like visual poetry in that regard. And, you know, as you grow up, you're like, well, that could be silly. But thank God for the younger version of myself who did make it. Crazy stuff. Like well, I that. heard a quote on I the Duck recently, where after Ridley Scott watched the first cut of Blade Runner, he, he said, "Wow, it's amazing." What does it mean yeah. <laughs> about its own movie, right? Like that's part of the. You don't have yeah, to have the yeah. answers, right? Sure. It's, sometimes it's about because do we have the answers as human beings? You I know? do, but Liam does. he's going to share them with me later. So your first movie was Love. Um, you then made uh, the Signal with Lawrence Fishburne. There was a big Sundance, uh, big I love splashy. Lawrence Fishburne. I'm presumably you no, too. genre awesome. bending so movie. Cool. 
Um, great movie, sort of mix of road movie, relationship movie, science fiction, horror. Then you did Underwater, which was a Banger. huge movie for Banger of for a movie. Fox. Yeah. People <laughs> still you. randomly text me. They're like, did you see Underwater? And I'm like, yeah, it rules. And they're like, it does. Uh, it's Die Hard on an Underwater oil rig. Could, yeah. we, could we get it there? <laughs> well, <laughs> just like, it's a, such a sophisticated monster movie. And that's what thank I love you. about it. Yeah, you know, like. You. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, shit, it's a monster movie. This rules. So very on board, very on board with that movie. That It was a hard movie to make, but we, you know, I'm so proud of, of what we accomplished in that film. But, yeah, that was a tough one. That was yeah. very physically. And that's on Hulu, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it moves around. So um, I think it's on Hulu right now, yeah. So Because so, we were kind of caught up in the whole you know, there was a second where we didn't think that film was going to get released because we were actually officially the last film with the 20th Century Fox logo. Wow. Yeah, the very That's last one. kind of a piece of film history. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. really cool. And we thought for a second we weren't going to get released because we got bought. And then, you know, I, we were like, is Disney going to release this film? And then finally they were like, yeah, we're going to do it. And thank God it just happened – January 2020, 20, yeah. right, we snuck in right before Just COVID. Before the Otherwise, pandemic, who yeah. knows what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I remember when it came out. I remember, yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool, the last yeah. film. Jeez. Yeah. And then you did a fantastic uh, paranormal activity movie called Next of Kin that I remember going with you at the, the screening at Paramount and being absolutely terrified. Because I'm not... Those a, movies are scary. I'm not a super yeah. hardcore horror fan, but again, like, you are... Not only are you a, you know, a, a visual poet, but you do have an incredible... Uh, aptitude for sound design, oh, and you. and that's I want to talk about that with your new with your about your new movie. But I remember just feeling so terrified <laughs> in the theater and getting to actually see it with the full big screen and with the full uh, sound. It's it's a really really cool take Thank on you. the mythos. Yeah. Um, I'm, that, I'm gonna real like. coward, so I don't know if I'm gonna get, get through <laughs> it's that. It's scary. One. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. We did that with Chris Landon, who wrote all the the other oh. paranormals, minus obviously the first one and, and maybe the one before mine. But yeah, he was the producer writer, and uh, we just had a such a fun time. And you know, I, I yeah, I love that movie. I'm like, I really genuinely love the movie. Like, I don't know if some of the paranormal people were like ready for something a little different. It's a little different than the other ones and story wise, but um, but I I'm just like. I'm really proud of that film and had so much fun as a filmmaker sort of going to like a different medium and toying in that world. So. Was it was it cool that, you know, it's kind of a pre-established formula, obviously. So like, was it cool to kind of like put your mark on that? Yeah. I mean, what, what was cool for me personally was, you know, we shot it through the eyes of this young girl making a documentary. So you're making a documentary yeah. now, you're going to use these little DSLR cameras. So in a weird way, I was able to bring, you know, what I think I... I'm pretty decent at doing good cinematography and you know if she's make if you're making a documentary you're going to try to film it and make it look pretty. Um so that's where it was a little different than the earlier paranormals which were these, you know, point and shoot Static cameras or shots. security cameras. Yeah. There's a little of that in this film but for the most part it's from their cameras and you know you use a lot of the the things like okay in the end, it's so dark. You all you have is the camera light, and you know yeah. we did some of that, which was just terrifying. Um, but we had a blast in the production design. 
uh, John Collins, this production designer who did like WandaVision and oh. um, a few other things, he came out and we built some cool stuff like that church and that Nordic thing. You know, it was just, and then these caves. Just, just hearing that, it just sounds scary. It's so it's scary. So scary. <laughs> oh, and so we shot it. Like scary. the craziest thing about that film is, you know, it's about some Amish stuff and, or you think Amish. And we were out in, like, the Amish middle of country. New York in Amish country. We were in an old Amish house, and we were surrounded by Amish people the entire time. And I feel so bad because sometimes at night we're filming, and it's just like, rah, you know, crazy sounds. And there's, like, a farm over there, a farm over there. And their poor kids are probably like, what is going on, Mom? Yeah, like, the what are these of, sounds? Those kids weren't around when they shot film. Witness. They were confused. Oh, they my were, God. It was wild. Yeah. I mean, we were out there for for reals. But anyways, fun experience. So you've worked in all these different genres, right? So you've done... You've done you know, first film was a science fiction. The second film was a sort of blend of sci-fi and road movie. And then you do Underwater, which is sort of sci-fi action disaster movie with a monster movie and a horror movie and then a straight horror movie. But now with your new film, it's a, a new new territory for you as a sort of uh, a, a straight military action thriller. So tell us all about Land of Bad. Uh, Land of Bad is a sort of behind enemy lines type of film um, where this young JTAC, a joint tactical air controller, is set up with a, a special forces team to go in and extract um, a person in the Jolo Islands. And, of course, shit goes wrong. Loses contact. The only thing he has, he's just by himself. He's this rookie guy. And the only thing he has is the... Uh, drone operator, Eyes in the Sky, played by Russell Crowe, uh, you know, with two Hellfire missiles on it, and that's it. So it's a little bit of a cat and mouse, like, he's trying to give him the moves, tell him where to go. It's just sort of back and forth, uh, two-hander that, uh, you know, Liam Hemsworth it and Russell Crowe. sounds sick. <laughs> this sounds so good. Uh, it, was, Damn. it was a lot Good of actors, fun. too. Yeah. I mean, great actors. Great yeah. actors. Uh, it's Milo Ventimiglia, Ricky Whittle, Luke Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, and of course Russell Crowe. So, um, yeah, we just had a blast. We had a blast making it. We shot it in Australia. Um, yeah, it's pretty I wild. S- I saw the movie last night. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's something that if you're into action movies, this one really delivers. Were there any inspirations or or comps specifically for the movie that you would reference for cast and crew? Was there any ones that you would like would, would go for this kind of vibe, or was that ever something that you? You know, I I really just about? the funny thing is the film was actually written back when I wrote the signal, and I was writing it on the weekends while making the signal because I thought, oh, the signal's so weird. I got to make at the time drone warfare was just really getting going now it's really shifting into a whole new thing obviously but i was riding it on the weekends while making the signal because i wanted something that was a little more straightforward and i was worried the signal was too crazy and i needed to have a follow-up ready mm. then that movie good kill came out with ethan hawk mm. oh, yeah. and we shelved land of bad because we were like well they kind of did this movie where it's about an operator working out in las vegas and he's dealing with a guy across the world and i was like oh i feel like maybe they've done this movie and then as time went on, um, we sort of rewrote it. And I realized the movie was more about the relationship between the two guys. And it was a little bit more about sort of loss of innocence. And is there a, is there a good version of violence? Is there a bad version of violence? Like, you know, all these other things started to happen. And I realized, like, oh, man, this movie's nothing like 
good kill at all. It's, mm. You know, and uh, yeah, the movie really just changed direction. Um, and for a while, we were going to make it uh, a different way. Actually, I was going to produce it, and we had this other director, and it was going to be maybe Jerry Butler, and all these things were happening. Ooh. And um, sort of some of those things fell through, and I was just like, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll just do this movie. <laughs> and um, yeah, just sent it to uh, sent the script to Russell and was like, "Are you interested in doing something like this?" And he was like, "Well, I'm pretty busy these days, but I'll take a look and I'll get." And you already to knew you. him, right? Like, yeah, you had I knew a him from something else that had not really fall that had fallen through. But at the time, it was funny. I was meeting with him about this other film, and uh, uh, it was during the press for the Nice Guys. Mm. So we got to know Ugh. each other kind of well, and yeah, uh, I love Nice Guys. Oh, it's such it's a good so movie. Great it's LA so movie. Good. It's so good. Yeah, it's so, so rewatchable. <laughs> Just put it on. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. The oh, funniest man. thing is Russell's like, he's like, we got to do a sequel eventually. Oh so yeah, I hope they do. I mean, I that would do just too. be amazing. I could watch ten of them. No, yeah. People want that no, so hard. Yeah, they, yeah. they like, look. That film is really, really beloved. It's also like Gosling as comedic genius, which he really, really is. Oh, Russell talks about that. He will literally just be like. He's so funny that I would get in trouble because the producers would be telling uh, Gosling, all right, don't make him laugh before the take. <laughs> and there, like an elevator would be closing. And then by the time the elevator opened to start the take, Russell would be laughing because yeah. Gosling would tell him a joke just to blow the shot. But Russell is also so funny in like a very tender way in that yeah. movie. Like the yoo-hoo that he takes from Angori Rice. He's like, oh, yoo-hoo. Like he's just like, <laughs> it's like this really great side of him that you didn't get until yeah. that movie where yeah. it's kind of like, it's Russell Crowe, the kind of like nice uncle or yeah. the like kind of, but also a fucking bruiser. He's a little yeah. bit like that in your movie, Absolutely. Right? He's such, he really is a sweet, in such an intelligent human being who yeah. just never wants to like stop, always has more to give. It's like you can't get him to stop. I'm like, okay, it's great. And you'll be like, give me one more take, and I promise it'll be 15% better. Wow. Love one that. more, maybe two. <laughs> Don't let him stop. And so <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, he never wants to yeah. quit. He keeps going. But, yeah, in our, in our film, he plays this really great character who's hyper-focused, very OCD, um, you know, just very committed to their job, but then outside of that is a little, in some ways, befuddling and, mm -hmm. you know, just endearing. And um, he creates such a warm character in our film. Um, I can't wait to see. I mean, yeah. I love Russell Crowe. He's, he's awesome in this movie. Great. It's yeah. such a cool character. And it does have that, like, dimension that you're talking about where he's he's sort of very intense, but at the same time, avuncular and lovable and like paternalistic mm. he's just like a big cuddly teddy bear you know in some also, in some nobody respects looks cooler in bomber aviator sunglasses yes than, like <laughs> i was watching the trailer and i was like damn this yeah. guy is cool it's a great part and a great uh performance from a legend you know someone that we absolutely absolute love. legend yeah he, what was it like? I mean, how would you, you, you know, I suppose you've already talked about it a little bit, but was it intimidating working with someone of that stature at first? I mean, you did know him a bit personally, but just... I mean, you, every time you work with somebody great, um, there's always a little bit in your, you know, there's somebody in the back of your mind saying, all right, don't 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 mess this up. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, it just all comes down to how hard you're working. And I feel like when... You know, somebody great like Russell sees that you're, you know, committed and, and giving it everything you have. Um, I think there's a, an amount of respect for that. And, 
Yes, we had a great relationship. And, you know, once the, the work ethic is kind of established, it was the same way, honestly, with Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. on The Signal. You know, especially on that film where I'm young and completely unestablished, he doesn't totally know what he's getting into, but then they see that you're going to work hard and give it everything you have. So, um, but Russell just, yeah, what a, what a beast and lovable human being at the same time. So you mentioned Behind Enemy Lines, which I, I really actually, I love that movie. Is there like a, other movies that were inspos, inspirations or comps for this that you watch to get in the mindset or were thinking You know, about? I always try to, because your character, for me at least when I'm building a, a film, my characters are always like, I'm thinking of other characters or I'm thinking of inspirations and... Uh, like, I'm not going to lie, I did think a little bit about Walter from The Big Lebowski, about lovability, huh. but Hell also yeah. being, but, you know, also yeah. being, um, you know, committed and stern in some ways, but there's a softness under that shell. Um, you know, there's characters that you'll think of, obviously. Um, but I think more from, when you're, ma- for me, it's, it's always hard to make stuff feel truthful. And so what I'm always trying to do, especially for a movie like this, which this is my first, like, action movie, I guess you could say, mm. um, or straight action movie, I'm I'm trying to study, like, real things that can hopefully make things feel visceral. So I was actually watching, like, Rust Repo a bunch. I watched that, that movie, like, intense, a couple of yeah. times to really feel the – feel real. You're just trying to, like – soak up as much realism as you can because you I know we can get the character beats and the the jokes and the funny stuff and the you know the cinematic elements I, I have that figured out but it's like where's the base the first like, what's the real reality. base mm. reality thing that's a really you know? cool that movie is harrowing yeah it's, it's so crazy yeah, it is it's so crazy that footage is unreal that that, yeah. that someone captured it's unbelievable yeah. it's unbelievable like that moment where they're like walking around on the bush, brush and somebody gets shot. Yeah. And then you hear the kind of like real responses from the soldiers and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not saying this movie is not <laughs> Risk Repo at all. But for me as a filmmaker, it's interesting to go to a baseline and see what is reality and um, and then kind of build from there. So you kind of know what you're – Yeah. Like what what would be real? Okay, how do we – either not be real or how do we tap into that a little bit at mm. certain times when you're bringing people into a movie theater to see a thing like on a big scale totally. you want them to like feel this reality too. totally and there's yeah war films are the films like you know in this style there's so many of them yeah and, uh, that sounds that sounds Restrepo is a it made me think a bit of a movie I love called Bat 2-1 Mm-hmm. Um, from 1988, where I don't know if you, you guys have ever seen Never it. Heard but of this. I haven't seen it, but I people have been saying the trailer feels like that. So I'm like, it's great. I should watch I mean, it. It's, it's very different, right? That Bat Two One is a Vietnam movie where Gene Hackman is like a a, a, a strategist. I'm in. <laughs> watch it. He oh, wow. he, cr- he basically plans air raids, and he he um, but then they get shot down when they're in the process of planning one. And then Danny Glover is like a reconnaissance pilot who has to kind of guide him through Danny Glover uh, enemy territory. Wow. But it's it's a Vietnam movie. But it it, it is sort of uh, it's a movie I love, and it's like a type of storytelling that I love, where it's sort of like let me guide you through the dark forest to mm, to, wow. to the light type yeah. of type of story, right? Mm. Where there's another character that's ancillary, but they form a strong emotional connection with the hero and help guide them 
uh, out of this dark place. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it made me think of that and Lone Survivor and mm. Black Hawk Down. And yeah, Black Hawk of... Down, I watched a bunch also. That movie up to is it. intense. Visceral, and it's just so right? beautiful, too. It's like, yeah. God, he's so good at creating beautiful chaos. Like, Ridley's a guy. Oh, he's firing on all cylinders yeah, just, in that movie. It's That's just incredible. so good. Well, speaking to that point and about how Ridley is able to do that, as you just described it so well, as like beautiful chaos, you have such an, a visually arresting style as a filmmaker. You know, your films are always really striking and, and spectacular. And of course, you came from um, cinematography, right, to yeah. some extent. And do you have a definable approach towards the shooting of action? In your films. I mean, the reality is you get as many cameras as you can and you try to cover it from as many different angles as you can. And then you try to get more units going on. Like you try to sneak units in under the line producer's nose when she doesn't realize like <laughs> what's happening. And she's like, wait, what are those guys doing over there with a drone? And I'll got to, you know, you're always trying to be a little sneaky. Uh, it's to like get... Tony Scott approach. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is it. Yeah. I mean, like the more money you have, the more you can get crazy with that approach. Mm. Um, you know, this is a pretty modest budget for a, uh, for an, a an action movie like this that we made it for under 20. Um, so, wow. you know, it's, I, I think it's like kind of crazy for the money we had. Yeah. It looks like it's but, cost three times uh, that. Thank you. Yeah. That's um, amazing. You know, th th my approach, you, you'll always like, for me, especially with action, I'm always doing shot maps and trying to build sort of what is the overall like coverage and I'll draw like. I'll just basically noodle it down to, like, what do we have to have? And then as your time is going and as you're shooting, mm. you're like, oh, I'll never make it to that one. I'm going to just cut that off. But at least you have your priorities. Um, yeah, that's that's the key is just trying to cover as much as you can. And then you can start to work with that in the edit to make something visceral and crazy. My, my editor, Todd Miller, he's just such a – a beast when it comes to that. He, his first movie was Con Air. He's not the wow. editor. He was like an assistant editor on that film. That's our job. So when you look at Todd's, <laughs> basically you guys have to have Todd on the podcast. Oh, hell yeah. You yeah. Guys, look at Todd. Todd's like the movie, The Rock. He worked on The Rock. I mean, we're talking like Todd. It's Philly special over yeah, there. Yeah, Todd is also, maybe that, that might also be my favorite action movie actually. Um, That's a good maybe, choice. Yeah, maybe the rock over speed. Gosh. Anyways, all right. That's a tough one. But uh I mean they're both like incredible. They're both masterpieces. They're both, yeah, they're both incredible. Yeah. yeah. But two of the best movies of the night. And this has some rock style energy like energy to some mm -hmm. extent. You know, mil the military action stuff. Yeah, and the well, visceral... just, so my editor Todd, he came up there. He did, you know, he was one of the main editors on some of the great Transformer films, like Transformers two and three. Um, yeah, he just, his background, he worked for Michael Bay for a very long time. He's, you know, he came out of all that crazy stuff. Yeah. So he's, Talk he's. Talk about a lot of camera units rolling Yeah, no, he knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. knows. So he can handle, like, I'll just punch a bunch of stuff to him and, you know, while, while you're working, he's calling, he's trying to pull dailies and, you know, pull his selects, but at the same time he's getting back saying, oh, you don't have this or we don't have enough coverage for this or holy shit, this is crazy. Like. How many days did you shoot? I'm going to get a little nitty-gritty here. Yeah, this curious. one we shot 42. We're supposed to have 45, and, of course, we had to cut a few days. To but you went under. Of... Wow. Yeah, wow. so we were supposed to have 45. Had to go under. Bunch of weird things happened. We were shooting in Australia, and, like, we were shoot. there was no stages left. We were in Queensland. And they we were shooting underneath, like, the uh, seats for, like, a, a 
horse racetrack. Like that's the space we found uh. to do some of the drone sets and some of the cave sets in this film. And uh, yeah, so we shot underneath like a horse track and uh, there's these big like kind of their Kentucky Derby things. They have like two or three of them. And uh, so we had to like not shoot on those days, and it was just crazy. Like you know, Sounds every like you movie's... really got like a taste of Australian <laughs> oh, life. Absolutely, I mean, you Russell Crowe and Liam Hemsworth. In the <laughs> oh, movie, absolutely. So, like, that's wow. Yeah. yeah, leeches had land leeches. Those are Ooh. horrible. Every one of these jungles, like I'd be walking around, I feel like a little prickly feeling. I look down, there's like six leeches on my ankle, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, God, oh my God. <laughs> Movie making, it's wow. so romantic. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about talking about to filmmakers is they're always like, yeah, I, I got to make a movie. It was awesome. It was so hard. It's like it's never easy, no never matter what easy. the budget level or whatever, whatever never happens easy. to be working, going on. Well, while we're just talking about your approach to action, which is so interesting because I'm I'm kind of surprised that you said that it's actually like about multiple coverage because it's so composed. Some of the, I, I, you know, the, the the slow motion or the the uh, the debris falling off the barrel of a gun and, you know, the, the, the images are, seem very like beautifully composed. So it's interesting that uh, it's that Tony Scott type approach or, or Bay's type approach that maybe a combination of the two um, creates this really, really uh, effective vi visual style. Do you have a favorite action sequence or set piece in cinema history? Gosh, I mean, honestly, because we we're talking about it, like the end of The Rock where, mm. you know, all... It's such a great, you know, where they're just trying to, like, get the Jets in. The other guy, uh, Ed Harris, is like, we can't do this. We, it's over. It's the standoff. Yeah. yeah. That standoff is just so freaking good. Like, or even even the sequences, like, going into the, the fire pits, like, when they're like, how did you get in there? <laughs> they get to, like, the furnaces and. Welcome to the rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, like, yeah. Oh, it's so he, does, he has it all timed out somehow yeah, and he remembers yeah. Yeah. in his head, you know, and he does all that, like. That movie, oh my god, that movie's great. I, I, you know, it's not like one thing stands out for me. I, I, I that's horrible to say, but um, maybe it's good because if one action sequence was like the all time for me, then I would just be copying it over and over because that's how my brain works. I mean, The Rock and Speed are pretty good, larger reference. Sure, I mean, too, yeah. I think, that, I think that what makes them amazing, and we talk about this a lot on the show, because you know, McTiernan as the like ultimate symphonic director of action is that like the rock and speed are kind of symphonies of action sure right? like they're the, the acceleration of energy and yeah. action and like it builds upon itself and like i mean the bathroom scene in the rock is like an all-timer scene from a movie when, oh when, when they, yeah when, when they all when come in and oh show. yeah they and, like, the stand and, up and michael the bean seals. and ed harris are yeah. just it's like Shakespeare for action movies. It's incredible stuff. Another film that I just oh, absolutely rock. love is Twister. I like. I don't know if you guys like that film. I yeah, Twister. I love Twister. I just. I love Twister. It's also uh, directed by another sort of uh, longtime um, cinematographer who can't became big action director. I don't remember. Jan de Bond. Yeah, Jan de Bond. I I watched the making of that film not too long ago, and I was just like. Wow, like they were trying to do some really hard stuff with all the big jet engine things, like actually mm -hmm. blowing at them and throwing all their debris. And you're just like, you know, n being a filmmaker and knowing how hard it is to do like small things flying through the air and this kind of thing. And they were really, they were doing massive things and, you know, having the actors there. I just, it's like 
the process, I'm so blown away by, and, you know, people probably don't think about it. They're like, oh, big, big, crazy movie, a lot of digital effects, and there were. But there were so many practical effects in that movie. I'm just in awe of, like, what they accomplished on the movie at that time. I think it's about to have a... There's about to be like a twister, res- twister sense because the sequel is coming out. Oh, oh yeah, interesting. Also, yeah. increasingly, the number of people who are like, we all kind of. Sl- I I talk to people and they're like, you know, a movie rules twister. <laughs> yeah, and like speed is such an achievement, especially for a first time yeah. director. That like twister, I think, has gotten a little undervalued. And every time I watch it, I'm just like. Damn, this movie rocks. Helen Hunt, just amazing. There, it's a great actor movie too. I, Bill yeah. Paxton. I want to tell a very best. Can I tell a very quick Twister story, and then Please. I want to ask Will our, our final final question. Um, I went with my best friend Fred. I went to uh, a screening of Twister that was like where two comedians would talk over the movie because mm. it was like they, it was if it was like a bad movie, oh, and no. we started to get so annoyed. Yeah, I can't picture right? you doing that. And you were like, like, so angry. we were just basically like wanting them to shut up. And at one point, and I'll never forget this because they, they were, and it was very. It's everything we try not to be on this show, which was like snarky, mean, and condes- like no sense of the respect of like filmmaking craft yeah. and like how and what an incredible. This is a great movie. I don't know why yeah. they were they were kind of shitting on it. And and this comedian was being snarky, talking over it, and she, she says of Bill Paxton, uh, what acting school did you go to? And Fred leant over to me and went, James Cameron's. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, should oh we, like, God. fuck Bill, these Bill people. That great. movie rules. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Twister is great. Um, I want to just ask you one last question, um, which, you know, this is a diehard show. And Die Hard uh, has, in my opinion, the greatest villain in uh, in movie history. Uh, uh, certainly the greatest villain in action movie history and arguably the, one of the greatest villains, if not the greatest ever. Do you have a favorite movie villain in any movie? Gosh. Um, all right. Favorite movie villain. This is going to sound weird, but I, I have to say it's probably Ursula from... Um, from uh, <laughs> Uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yes. Wow. She is such a crazy like that. She affected me as a little kid. Like just I I remember counting down the days as a little kid to go see this movie, and I remember she was the first villain where I was like, obviously she's terrifying and everything, but in the end she was. I felt like sad for her, you know, this like big crazy octopus who just wanted to also be beautiful and get married to the prince. And, you know, obviously she wanted to have like, you know, uh, King Trident's power and all of that. But in a weird way, even as a kid, I understood how complex it was in a weird way. Like totally her, what she wanted. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not my absolute favorite. It's hard for me to pick a favorite, but it was like one of my most, um, intense experiences with a villain where I understood that sometimes understanding the villain makes the whole thing like crazier. Oh, you know? Absolutely. So weird answer, but that's probably I love the that. Truth. No, and I think it's it's like one of those things where uh the villain is justified. Like she she's one of those villains who like you kind of agree with. And I always <laughs> yeah. think that those are the most interesting villains, right? Yeah. It's like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Like, totally, you're like, this yeah. guy's got some good points. You know, like, <laughs> well, it's the old Shakespearean idea of no one is a villain unto themselves, right? right? right. So, yeah. you know, that makes, and again, like Ed Harris in The Rock is like, what is 
He's right. Arguably the apex of that yeah. in, in in the action movie era that we're or talking Dennis about. Dennis Hopper and Speed. You're kind of like, yeah, this guy got screwed. Totally. Yeah, those two characters are, yeah, no, yeah, of course. They're very similar, really. Yeah. Like Ed, uh, Ed Harris and, and Dennis Hopper. Well, you Hopper. understand them, yeah. right? You understand what's right. Even if you can say that's misguided or, or mm-hmm. you're going too far, if you understand the villain, it makes it such more of a richer drama. Well, the best scene in The Rock is that standoff. And one of the best things about it is when Tony Todd is like, when we took this job, we became mercenaries and mercenaries get paid. I want my fucking yeah. money. Oh, and my Ed God. Harris is like, <laughs> Ed Harris is like, I've I've gone too far. Like, there's yeah. like, there's a sort of like conflicted yeah. moral figure, and then the guy who's completely amoral and is like, I want money. Yeah. yeah. And it's an interesting kind of like military idea. Of totally. Like, like, where are we with these guys now? It's not just like we're fighting for whatever democracy or freedom. It's like these guys are like, no, I want money. Yeah. And absolutely. you did this, and it's your fault. And yeah. they, they're right. That's what's so compelling about the end of that movie. Yeah. Let's watch The Rock, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Go by the 4K steelbook. Well, Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. So just last plug for Land of Bad. It's out February 16th, and it's theatrical release, right? Yeah, Uh, not ultra-wide, but it will be – it should be in a theater near you for sure. Uh, It's not – ultra-wide, it would be like 3,500-plus screens, but – I think we're in – I don't know. We should be everywhere. So, yeah, February 16th. Uh, Go see the movie. Check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's a lot of fun and uh, a pretty good thrill ride. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Guys. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's awesome. Die Hard on a Blank is a podcast created and hosted by Philip Gawthorne. Liam Billingham co-hosts and produces the show. Mike Mayer and Michael Sugar are the executive producers. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at DieHardOAB. Rate, review, follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, tell your movie podcast-loving friends about Die Hard on a Blank. Special thanks to Suki Chu. See you next time on Die Hard on a Blank. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.